hold, Cartman. You guys stop it. This isn't helping. We've got to think here. Now, let's see. What would Satoshi Nakamoto do? Yeah, what would Satoshi Nakamoto do? Hey, what's going on over there? The world's governments are devaluing all your fiat currencies. Bitcoin offers a borderless, decentralized, censorship-resistant option. Long Bitcoin. Short the bankers. Let's buy stable coins. Yeah! This is about freedom of speech, about censorship. Can't you guys be more political? There's the girl that I like. Now it appears that she likes another guy. It must be because of all that crypto and stuff. I should buy some Bitcoin too. Damn it. You guys, this is all Nereo Rubini's fault. Shut up, Cartman. Nereo Rubini is the one that's calling crypto a bubble, and all because of a big, fat, stupid troll. Don't say it, Cartman. Well. Don't do it, Cartman. Well. I'm warning you. Okay, okay. I'm getting pretty sick of him. Well, Nereo's a troll. He's a big, fat troll. He's the biggest troll in the whole wide world. He's a stupid troll. If there ever was a troll, he's a troll. Duh, all the boys and girls. On Monday's a troll, on Tuesday's a troll, on Wednesday to Saturday he's a troll. Then on Sunday, just to be different, is super dickhead Jamie Diamond troll. Come on, you have another way. Have you ever met the real Ruby? He needs the biggest troll in the whole life. He's a mean old troll, and he has stupid hair. He's a troll, 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 troll
you caught a little bit of a preview on that. If you haven't followed him or if you haven't seen the videos, I'll put a link in the show notes so you can follow him. He uh, brought together a good team of people. They make some videos. Uh, Keith makes some good videos, and he's worth watching, especially if you're new to the space. He'll very good way to kind of get your feet wet and go down the path of education. And then the final one I wanted to touch on, since we're kind of at this point in time, is surviving a bull market. So let's get started and let's see if, there we go. Okay, with the FTX trial, I'm going to bring up, and I do apologize. I am just starting to get all these little buttons and functions down using stream uh, using StreamYard. So we're going to be putting up the yes. So this is the calendar of events for the uh, FTX trial, courtesy of Cointelegraph. And we are currently at the point of the trial where Sam Bankman-Fried has taken the stand. Uh, if you saw my comments last Friday, Sam Bankman-Fried may not be quite as innocent as we may have seen. Uh, the testimony that's come out so far is that he's been saying that he didn't realize, whether it's real or a claim, I haven't seen the footage, that he hasn't felt that what he was doing, moving, using funds from Alameda Research to take care of things for uh, FTX itself and cover the bets and the books on FTX was actually illegal, which uh, if that's truly the case, um, a lot of uh, American viewers, the older ones will remember, there was a TV show back in the 70s and early 80s called WKRP in Cincinnati. And it was a TV show, a situational comedy, a sitcom about a radio station, a rock radio station in Cincinnati, Ohio. And it was owned by uh, an older rich woman and her son was a station manager. And they were doing a promotional one time for Thanksgiving where they were going to give free turkeys to people and they were going to drop it from a helicopter. And so the tepid Les Nesman's giving his firsthand account as the event is happening, the helicopter is there and they're opening the doors and the turkeys are going out and the turkeys are falling to the ground. And he starts going into horrified detail as the turkeys are smashing into the ground and smashing into things. And then a few scenes later, you see the, the, the station manager walks into the station. He's got turkey feathers on him. He says, as God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. And I feel like Sam Bankman frieds almost going into it. Either he's going into it with the same sort of naivete, or it's a case of he knew exactly what he was doing. But he's honest in that he didn't think it was illegal to do these things. So... We'll see how that works out. So then next, uh, we have got Bitcoin ETFs and funding. <clears throat> so this week, the listing service that would formally list, I'm forgetting the name off the top of my head, that would list the Bitcoin ETF uh, and any Bitcoin ETFs listed 
BlackRock's iShares. And what that means is that they have been registered and they're good to go with starting to accumulate and acquire the asset needed for this particular ETF. And the way an ETF, that stands for Exchange Traded Fund. And the way an ETF works is, let's say they have 100 shares and the shares trade at $10. So the overall value, if my math is correct, is $1,000. So then the, since the market cap of the ETF is $1,000, they would need to have $1,000 of whatever the underlying asset is to, to balance out, whether it's uh, gold or natural gas, which might be in the form of futures or crude oil or some sort of commodity futures, US dollars, the S&P 500, whatever it is. Well, now under the under this registration, BlackRock can start accumulating, if they haven't already, start accumulating Bitcoin to cover whatever that market cap's going to be. Well, with the, the news of that, uh, that helped push the price of Bitcoin up into the mid, the low to mid 30s and the amount of optimism where if it's getting listed there, it's looking more and more like a certainty. And with this jump in price, and this is leading into the next topic, is how to survive a bull market. Not a bear, but a bull market. A lot of people, and this would be my third time around the block, the first time being in the 2017 cycle, the second time being in the 2020-2021 cycle, and then, well, the third cycle will be the 23-24 cycle. And I'm bringing this up because having walked this path, I figured there are lessons worth sharing. And the lessons to share is the importance of understanding what you're going to go through and why it's important. So I'll just jump right in. When you're in a bull market, when we get into this bull market in the adoption cycle, in the adoption process, you are going to experience this. This is your first time around. You're going to experience a lot of intense emotions as there is a lot of excitement and enthusiasm because prices will go up 2%, 5%. 10%. Some of them will pump 50% in a day. And it'll be, there'll be pullbacks, there'll be rises, but the overall trend is going to be upwards. And you're going to feel like the absolute smartest person among your friends and family because you were the person that got into crypto first. You were the one that bought in and got in ahead of the herd. And you're going to be so excited. You're going to be checking your uh, Blockfolio app. You'll be checking prices multiple times a day. I'm going to say even people like me who have been through this, you still feel that excitement. But the one thing that you usually learn, at least a lot of people the hard way, is not letting yourself get too wrapped up 
in your reactions to the prices. Because what's going to happen eventually is that, well, people are going to start aping in, they're going to start FOMOing in and panic buying, and it's going to drive up prices more. And this is going to stretch over time. It's going to last months and months. And then you're going to see all the comment, all the news headlines in mainstream media. You're going to see all the famous people talking about, oh, Bitcoin's a great asset. You know, we've been looking at it for a while, but this validates it. And they're going to start aping into this. And what will happen? Excuse me. What will happen is that there'll be this reinforcement cycle of, see, not only was I right, these people have validated it for me as well. And it's going to lean heavily into this bias. And it's going to be a cycle that feeds off itself. Well, what always happens is that people are going to run with the trend and they're going to start throwing leverage in. And that's exactly what happens in every bull cycle. People start using leverage. It doesn't matter if it's Bitcoin and crypto. It's with stocks. It's with commodities. It's with housing. Because people, humans are inherently lazy. And we're always looking to find something to get more with less. That's the appeal of marketing. Hey, you can supersize this meal for only a dollar more. You get more for less. Oh, why not? Or, hey... If you start using this software, you can get a shortcut and get more work done with less. Ah, productivity gains. I mean, it's just how we're wired. And so leverage is going to come into the space, into all the TradFi stuff, into ETFs, into, or at least companies that invest in ETFs. They're going to probably try and apply leverage. You're going to see leverage used in so many ways. And then eventually what's going to happen is the optimism just like the pessimism on the downside, the optimism is going to fade out and you might have an event like this time we had the uh, Terra Luna event, which started the downward cascade, which got capped off with the FTX collapse that precipitated some sort of event that, you know, a black swan event that precipitates a downward fall. And then the prices go down. And because there's so much upside leverage that gets unwound and that just exacerbates everything and accelerates everything and then the sentiment starts to turn around and then you get into the bear market and now we're at a point where all the leverage has been washed out of the system there was that continual slow grinding sandpaper sideways stage that just wore you down the prices were never gonna go up again but they do and now we're in the phase where there's optimism. There are things happening where news that in a bear cycle would simply serve as validation, like when Paul Tudor Jones said, well, I'm looking into Bitcoin. You know, it's a good asset to be in. In a bear market, it's just validation. In a bull market, it's validation and a reason for optimism. It fuels any sort of validation in a positive uh <clears throat> positive emotional outlook cycle. I'll call it that. It just feeds that optimism even more. And then you're going to get, it's the same thing with other protocols and coins to take a little side step. Uh, but that'll feed into things and that's going to accelerate things. And you're just going to get more and more of that. And it's good to be aware of your emotional reactions because the more closely tied you are to the price, 
you're, you're going to go crazy. You're going to drive yourself nuts checking the prices and the price goes up. Oh my God, you're elated when the price goes down. Oh my God, what's happening? Do I need to get out? And those emotions, if you're not aware of them, if you're not able to create a little bit of a mental buffer in them, they're going to start driving your decisions. We're like, the price goes down. Maybe I, oh no, do, do I need to sell? Did I reach a top? Do I, do I need to cash out? What do I need to do? Or if the price goes up, I need to buy more because I don't want to miss out. It's going to go out higher or it'll just mess with you. It's good to have a plan on how to manage these things and how to take everything in stride. Uh, this optimism as that little side note, that's what happens with projects that aren't established. I, I learned in the last cycle, the projects that did the best were the ones that had wheels to the road, that were actively being used by established companies, organizations, they were working with other protocols, uh, bridging things, actually building things and and becoming practical in use. It's not just three guys who got a great idea and the protocol is great and they're good guys and they're honest, but if no one's using their coin or token or their platform, there's no value in it. It's speculation at best. And if you want to speculate on that, that's your call. Always do your research. Always know your risk. Always know... Uh, what's at stake when you invest in something and what the potential outcomes could be and then act accordingly. But in a, in a bull cycle, a lot of coins get pumped up simply on a piece of good news that maybe not add, might not add anything. That's how Solana got so big was there was so much hype over it that it was able to hype its way into becoming a popular coin. And he also had a lot of uh, big money that got prop that helped prop it up as well. I mean, to me, Solana still has a ways to go. Yeah, yeah, it's very centralized too. Yes, there's a lot of good things and properties about it, and has a lot of tied up value and a lot of transactions. But the network literally broke six times and had to be rebooted. Bitcoin has never broke. Uh, Ethereum may have only had one or two hiccups, and that was in its early days. You can't use a protocol that breaks if you are an IBM, if you're a Price Waterhouse Coopers, if you're a government agency. You can't have that happen. You need reliability. I mean, imagine if Microsoft and their cloud services went down. Uh, a lot of companies use their cloud services for email and also all the... Uh, software programs like Word and Excel and Access and PowerPoint, if those things went down, those companies are losing money. Those companies are losing business. That is a serious issue, and you can't have that. You can't have those standards. So Solana's got a ways to go. But like anything else, one little bit of news, like Elon Musk saying Doge, everyone apes in, and then it just goes crazy. So you need to... Do your research, understand, you know, what, what are the risks? Is this a centralized protocol run by a team? Is it highly decentralized where no one's in charge? So no one, there, there's one less point of failure. What are the shortcomings? Dogecoin, you know, if you could, if you knew about Dogecoin before Elon Musk, you'd understand, oh, 
This is just people piling in. So if you want to take advantage of the price movement, you could do that. So part of having a plan, and I should probably make a banner for this. Actually, I'm going to make a banner on the fly here. Uh, that if you're going to have a good plan, which is also just a good long-term plan to have. And again, not financial advice. Oh, I forgot the ticker. Here we go. Uh, if you want some advice, one good strategy that helps take the emotional reaction element out of the picture takes is doing dollar cost averaging. Uh, Keith over at CryptoCoin Mindset talks about it nonstop. Do dollar cost averaging. It's, it's a great strategy to have. And the idea of dollar cost uh, averaging, for those not familiar, <coughs> excuse me, is you set up a recurring buy on a regular basis. Uh, in the early days, it would be a monthly buy through an exchange like Coinbase. Now there are a lot of apps and services where you could do it monthly, you can do it weekly, you can do it daily. If it's if you use the Strike app, you can do it hourly, so you're able to take advantage of all the price fluctuations. And the advantage of using dollar cost averaging, it's almost like, uh, uh, to use a military term, like for a missile, fire and forget. All you need to do is get the process started, and then it just goes automatic on its own. And the benefits of dollar cost averaging is that aside from not having to constantly give attention to it because you can automate the process with a lot of services, you can also uh, mitigate the worry about, you know, am I going to buy too much if it gets too expensive? Am I not going to be able to buy any when the price goes down or in the bear market cycles? Dollar cost averaging allows you to, let's say you set up something to buy $5 a day. And if there's some sort of strange news where the price plunges, well, that $5 is going to buy more Bitcoin than it did the day before. And if the price goes up and you're worried, oh, I was like, is, am I buying it and it's too expensive? Well, you could justify it by saying the but that $5 is gonna buy a little bit less Bitcoin. And the idea is that over time, especially with Bitcoin and its four-year price cycles, you're able to average out so that when the price goes down into the bear markets, you're accumulating more Bitcoin. And then when the price goes higher into the uh, bull cycles, you're not overbuying. And then it balances out and kind of works as a medium over time. And also, too, before I started doing dollar cost averaging, it was just a spot buy. I'll spend buy 25 bucks here or 50 bucks there or I earn, you know, 30 bucks delivering meals this weekend with Uber Eats. So I'll, you know, buy something or you didn't have to worry about timing because it's something that's done on a regular basis. The timing is set. It, you don't have to worry about that. And. <clears throat> A lot of people have asked, you know, is it, I've heard it mentioned, not necessarily 
to me firsthand, but a lot of people would say, is it too late? Like in a bull cycle, is it too late? Have I missed the train? Is it too late to get into Bitcoins? Is it too late to get into these other cryptos? And the answer is no, in my opinion. Uh, but you don't have to worry. Uh, uh, sorry. The, uh, the uh, oh gosh, I'm brain farting hard right now. The, the, the saying was, the best time proverb the best time to plant a tree was 15 years ago the second best time is today and as long as you get started with dollar cost averaging you don't have to worry you're never going to miss the buying opportunities and you don't have to worry about when the prices spike up because you're, you're doing your steady accumulation you know we're early in the adoption cycle only five percent of humanity the entire globe has ever touched Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. Less than that holds it right now. But there's so much adoption. There's so much innovation that's going to happen that needs to happen that there's a long way to go. And this has got a lot of long legs. So even if we had 10% adoption, you've still got 90% of humanity. Let's chop off the 5% who are the reluctant adopters and say, you've got 85% of humanity still yet to get on board on this. And it comes in so many ways. We don't even know how Bitcoin's going to be utilized, you know, from how it differs from today's use cases. So there's a lot of... Uh, instances, you know, there's still got a long way to go. So you're not going to be late. Um, and then, sorry, got thrown off there. Had a uh, check here on the side. Um, so yeah, dollar cost averaging, you don't have to worry about it. And what are some of the services that you can use? I'm kind of going off a of firsthand experience in top of my head. So a lot of the exchanges like uh, Binance, Coinbase, Kraken. Uh, personally, I would stick more with Coinbase and Kraken if you're in the U.S. just because they're a little bit safer on a regulatory basis than Binance, which is still currently on a lot of hit lists. Uh, but all those exchanges offer dollar cost averaging. Well, what they'll do is they'll, let's say you do a daily or a weekly dollar cost average once a week, It'll do an um, an ACH transaction. It would automatically uh, does a debit transaction from your bank account, and then takes that money and either makes a one-time, weekly, or monthly buy, and then or does a daily buy at whatever that set amount is. So if you say, you know, I want to do five dollars a day, it will, uh, or if you want to do, you know, I'll do six dollars a day because I know the math. It'll auto debit. $42 every week, and then every day, purchase $6, purchase $6, purchase $6. So we've got exchanges that you can do that with. There are services like uh, Robinhood, which uh, is mainly app-based. I think it's just app-based. I don't, I've, I've never used it, so I'm not sure if they have a web browser application or not, but you can use that to do a dollar cost average. Uh, I'm not sure if Venmo and PayPal have that functionality yet. I know you can do one-time buys, and I don't know if they have the full ability to be able to withdraw 
the Bitcoin to your own wallet for self-storage. Uh, I, I think Venmo's, you can only keep it within the platform, like send it to other users and either buy it or sell it. Uh, PayPal, I know you can do that. They may have limited functionality. That's another option. And then there are some Bitcoin-only services and uh, apps out there. There is Rivers Bitcoin, which is fairly reputable. You've got Swan Bitcoin. Uh, Corey Koppelstein, uh, Kop I forget that's his last name. He's a very vocal and he's... He's a very biased, hardcore, hardcore Bitcoiner. Um, his uh, Swan Bitcoin, I've used their service. And uh, you can also use the Strike app. That's uh, Jack Mahlers, the guy who you know helped bring uh, Bitcoin to El Salvador. The Strike app is a fantastic app. That one you can do hourly buys if you want to. But it's also, uh, I know swan and strike charge one percent slightly less than one percent for uh the buys so that's a great service it's cheaper than the exchanges which usually charge like one and a half two percent two and a half percent depending on the dollar amount and then there's also if you have the fold app which is a great way to accumulate bitcoin it's uh you buy gift coins and the rebates are paid to you in bitcoin uh, you can also get a debit card where you earn a flat 1% rebate on all purchases, and they have special categories and merchants where you can earn bonuses, as well as use it for purchasing gift cards. But the rebates on that are paid in Bitcoin. I'll throw a link in the show notes. Uh, they also have an option set up where you can fund your debit card and do uh, dollar cost averaging through there as well. So there's numerous other services out there that I'm not even aware of that I haven't touched. But this is a great way to be able to build your stack as we go through all of the early and middle and later stages of the adoption cycle. And also to kind of take that step back and not get caught up in the emotionality of going through a bull and bear price cycle. So those were all the topics I wanted to touch on this week. Uh, thanks for stopping in. Thanks for hanging out. It was good, good to have you. Uh, follow along, main website, tinycryptoblog.com. Uh, you can subscribe to the channel. I'm starting to put out more video content. Uh, you can also follow along on Twitter where I get some spicy memes in comments going. Uh, and then also, if you're on Facebook, I post the article links on Facebook. I'm not the most active there. And you can also follow the uh, other uh, video platforms listed in the show notes. And unfortunately, I won't have my ending this week just because short notice, life comes at you fast. So it'll just be a sweet, sweet and simple. Be well, everyone. Talk to you soon. And uh, see you next week. Take care.